Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. Simon Chang. Bro, and Simon Chang. And Dexter. And Dexter. And today we have the pleasure of sitting down with Will Crozier. Today we sit down and we chat about coaching techniques, putting your ego aside to follow safe programming, and the value of sustainability and powerlifting. It's a pretty interesting chat with one of the best lifters in Australia, um, also a top level coach, powerlifting coach, bodybuilding coach. So I hope that you guys enjoy our conversation. As always, remember to screenshot this episode, tag Hybrid Unlimited, tag me, Steffi Cohen, tag Simon Chang at Simon Hybrid on Instagram. Yes. For a chance. Very to be, loyal. <laughs> for a chance to be entered to win some free hybrid legacy swag, which we all know it's the sickest swag in the game. It screams, I'm a pro. It screams, I know what I'm doing when you enter a gym and it immediately intimidates your competition when they see you wearing it. So make sure you do that and or head over to our site, hybridlegacybrand.com to shop more. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. That's it for housekeeping, so let's sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. I was going to come to that, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I was planning on coming to that. I'm still planning on coming to that. Me too. <laughs> You're still invited. They invite holds. <laughs> um, but yeah, honestly, I don't know. I think that where we get it wrong in powerlifting is forgetting that that sports are about entertainment. I think that's that's where we don't get it right. Like There needs to be more going on outside of the powerlifting event that makes the spectators feel like they're at a sporting event you know that there when there's waiting times or when there's or when it's not clear like who's competing against who or you know what are they even looking at you know if you have a flight you i need to know okay this guy's in first this guy's in second this guy needs x amount to beat the other guy because people don't know that the only people that really know that are the people handling mm -hmm. the athletes don't even know <laughs> yeah and like the, the other hard thing is like um a squat always looks like a squat whether it's 100 kilos or 500 kilos you know like other than that maybe the person's straining a little bit harder or something i don't know like but to the average person like if my mum comes to my comp she's like oh that looked hard like how much was that and i'm like, I'm like yeah <laughs> I don't it's not the same whereas when i'm watching basketball and I don't even know the rules of basketball. Like, I'm not really a massive fan of something, but if I'm watching basketball and somebody just hits like a huge dunk or something, I'm like, oh, that's impressive. Like, yeah. that's fucking awesome. You know, like, I don't know. It's just different. Um, but again, that's that's the reason I wanted to come over there and do, do Kratos or do whatever whatever the next thing is, whenever I'm allowed to do. Um, 
was, from what I've seen, you do do a good job of making it at least that little bit more entertaining than the uh, than the standard comp. And that's that's what I liked about Pro Raw too. It was a little bit flashy. It was a little bit, you know, uh, music. The expo, obviously, like the lots more people, the thousands of people yeah. watching. Like it's packed out, like yeah. that sort of stuff, rather than uh, some of the other comps where everyone gets a you know, little little nanny clap going on, <laughs> and that's about all you get. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm keen. I'm super keen. Like, for the, allowed, we have a we have the showdown coming up in February, and I want to incorporate some boxing into it. So maybe like in between squat and bench, in between bench and deadlift, and then at the end of the day, have like people go at it. You know, like a like a, a sparring session, but bring just yeah, like killers from here from Florida. It's just powerlifting. Like, is actual, actual boxers or like get powerlifters? No, 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 no. Actual <laughs> boxers, like people that I know here from the industry. Cool. When we're on, I mean, touching on it, you know, it's all about entertainment at the end of the day. Sports, it's just powerlifting yeah. is so long. You know, it's six, eight hours of three squats, three bench, three deadlift. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the flights are really long. You, you have 20 people and, you know, it might take two minutes or whatever, you know, to get a full squat. So it's kind of like there's not a lot of entertainment when you're just waiting a lot of the times. There just needs to be entertainment outside of that. Like there needs exactly. to be like... A spot to grab a drink, like alcoholic drinks. Seriously, alcoholic drinks. There needs to be like more places to eat, good food. There needs to be other sources of entertainment around for people to, if they want to take a break, if they were waiting for their lift for their favorite lifter to go, they can Mm -hmm. go to something else. Areas where they can chill at, like they're not just having to be glued to a plastic seat for nine hours. Like nobody likes to do that. And even as you're saying, it's a lot of times live stream, whatever it is. You're watching a lifter, but you have no idea what's going on. Like you don't know yeah. who's in what place, what weight this is, you know, what's on the line or things like that. So it's it's kind of hard to tell. It's like, what am I even watching? And then if we can nail that and get enough sponsors behind and enough enough people behind, we can decrease the amount of people that are competing per flight, which will decrease the, the total amount of time of the competition. And that already makes it better for for spectators. You know, if you say that you bring in just the top dogs of every single weight class, you just have five people, three people of each weight class. That's it. No more, no less. And you just have them go. You know what you know who's going against who. It's easy to follow. You don't have to be there for for ten hours or however long. It's much faster paced. And then even at things like hockey games when I was always younger, I don't know if they still do this. I haven't been in a game in so long. But you'd go to a hockey game and you get a pamphlet of this is the other team's record. This is this team's record. You know, this is kind of what's on the line. Yeah. These are the players. It's like even in powerlifting, this is a pamphlet. Like these are the top guys. This is what's on the line, you know, for the showdown, $20,000. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how it's close. This is how we assess things. Like these are the flights. Where spectators, if you don't really know what's going on, you're kind of just like, this looks heavy. Or as you said, like this is a squat and this is a squat. And this guy's face was more red than this guy's face. Um, <laughs> So it's kind of hard to tell what's yeah. going on sometimes. Even in more boring sports, well, I say boring. I shouldn't say boring because to me, I don't just know the rules. But in, in longer game sports, so uh, like we don't get much exposure to it, but like when I watch some of the American football, how they have so long in between plays and stuff, like at least they have replays or mm-hmm. something happening on or like, you know, some statistics pop up or something like that. It's uh they fill the gaps super well mm-hmm. so that, that, I guess that's what you're saying yeah um, always entertainment 
not There's just the, not just the yeah. one second squat entertainment wait 10 minutes um then the next one yo so tell us what you've been up to lately <laughs> well i'm lucky enough to be in queensland in australia so uh how many other australians have you had on is it just me or what um is james smith australian no james Not smith's australian. from the uk um hayden's Hayden's technically Australian. <laughs> no, no. I don't think anybody has. I think Bass. Like... You've had yeah. Bass on. Oh, yeah, but not recently. How did Bass come up? Yeah, from, I there think, the very but beginning. The very beginning, yeah. And yeah, I think cool. that's Yeah, it. so I'm in Queensland, so there's no... We have, we've been lucky in that we haven't had a ton of, like, lockdowns and, and things like that. So I can still move about. I can still do my things. I can still go to the shops and the gyms and all that. Whereas some of other states, which I'm sure you've seen in maybe your media about Australia... Um, they're all in heavy lockdowns and things like that, which means that uh, despite us not being locked down, it, we may as well be because I can't really travel and we can't really compete, but we can't have national level events because like, it's just kind of like you can only go within your state or even within uh, your small party or state in some, of the, in some of the other more lockdown places. So, I mean, for me, uh, as far as powerlifting goes, it not been a lot happening. And actually, if you asked me a couple months ago, it would have been maybe a bit more negative about it. Like I really lost the drive at, at one point because I was like, I've always thought I was pretty disciplined and able to push through and, and, and push through like the times when, you know, the motivation isn't there, but it just got to the point where comms kept getting canceled and that, that I was just like, ah, like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I beating myself up mm-hmm. and pushing myself so hard and going through, you know, the sacrifices, what what it takes with training and, and nutrition and all that to, to, to not compete. Like that's what I'm here for. And, um, but now I've, we've switched it around and I'm, I'm pretty much being a bodybuilder right now. So like, uh, like on my morning walk today, like I can, my legs are giving out on me because of how, how hard we smashed our legs the other day. So completely going back to my roots in a bit of bodybuilding and just slamming that, just trying to get a bit bigger, trying to get a little bit healthier, trying to work on some of the things that we don't often get to work to as powerlifters, so like you know, cardio, things like that, and just set myself up for whatever happens next year. Like I said, if I can get over there and compete, I'd love to. So just trying to, yeah, just trying to, trying to push myself to, to be able to do that when that happens. Um, and as far as the business goes, it's it's uh, the coaching scene has, has again been tough because people have been like I have and lost their motivation a little bit to uh due to lack of competition or lack of gyms being open you know mm-hmm. such on and off training uh and so we've shifted more into the education space and so i've been working on uh developing like our mentorship that's just launched and uh, a bunch of other material just to try and shift into the education route which is was always the long-term plan but now it's become the short-term plan thanks mm-hmm. to uh thanks to the world being how it is what's the uh, mentorship on just palaging specific stuff uh so uh, you know, biomechanics, programming heavy, that sort of thing, but just really specific to powerlifting. Um, just 12 weeks, trying to make people better coaches for really in a, in a, in a quick one, you know, just uh, hopefully people who come out the other end just being better better coaches, better powerlifting coaches, being able to communicate with their clients better, being able to teach the lifts better, being able to program better. That's really my goal. I find a lot of courses are a really heavy theory and you come out being a lot smarter, but it doesn't necessarily make you a, a whole better coach. Um, and so that's what my aim was with this. I want people to actually 
take the information and be able to go like, okay, now I can actually write a better program or now I can actually make my client that little bit better, like actually implement the stuff. And that was my goal with this. That's mm-hmm. awesome. How long have you been coaching powerlifting for? Uh, powerlifting specifically, I think it was 20, when pretty much when I started powerlifting. So around like the 2015, 16 type era, uh, and then been been coaching for much longer than that. But before that, it was um, physique people, you know, your gen pops, your your your, your mums and dads trying to lose a little bit of weight, that sort of stuff. Which I think was a really important step because if you look at a lot of modern powerlifting coaches, they seem to skip that part and just be like, oh, like I'm a powerlifter, so I'm a powerlifting coach, and then you you miss out on all the little skills like uh, like realizing that people, you know people don't want to go to the gym all the time mm-hmm. and things like that. People aren't often motivated and, and you don't realize that if you just skipped all those steps and skipped all the gen poppy people and just went straight to powerlifters who have already got that motivation, already got that discipline. So I'm glad I went through all that. I'm glad I went through the, the working with a bit of everybody working with, you know, the teenager and the grandma and the everyone between like it really, really hones the whole picture. Yeah. Cause we are humans at the end of the day. But yeah. Like I said, you're, I've seen you on comp day and you're a different beast altogether, but we are, we are all human. We all have our, our times when we're not like that. We're all uh, demotivated and we just don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> about it. We don't see it. We only see the highlights. We all have lifestyles and, you know, some people have kids, some people have to go to school and it can't just be, I have two to three hours to train and I'm going to do it five days a week. But I, I've, I found the same thing because I didn't come from powerlifting, but I slowly transitioned and, you know, I've worked with hundreds of clients and it's the same thing. It's like, we got to take in consideration, you know, their lifestyle. Cause even if they can get to the gym and adhere perfectly, it's like, there's still say 22 hours of the day that they're not powerlifting. And that stuff is important in terms of recovery and just overall progress. Um, yeah. And as far as coaching skills go, I mean, I think you're right. I think people overlook the, I guess the people slash mental aspect of coaching, how to communicate with people, how to make sure that you're, that you keep your, your clients, um, feeling encouraged to, to stick to the program. How do you keep them going when they miss a bunch of lifts or they don't improve their, their marks in test week? Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot more to coaching than just knowing reps, sets and intensity, right? Yeah. That is only developed through experience and it's only developed through experience coaching the entire kind of lifespan of a person. Even, even for yourself, you're saying, you know, you felt a little bit, bit demotivated and you know, what really helped you had to change the bodybuilding training, you know, so your coach took that in consideration, what's going to get you in the gym, you know, cause term you want to be powerlifting and want to, um, compete and things like that. So it's, you know, long-term what's going to keep you in the gym, what's going to keep you happy and in a way you're still progressing, you know? Um, I saw yeah, you. You're going to enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like what I was doing before was your typical powerlifting program, uh, which was working. But the problem was, like I said, I kind of uh, got a little bit demotivated and that just led to a lack of effort. And although the program was great and the progression, you know, theoretically was great, they're just, what the effort wasn't there. And I, mm-hmm. I was kind of like just not wanting to go in and do it, uh, which, you can only push through those sessions so many times, you know? Yeah. So what we've done is we've just switched to, uh, one SPD day, just like a few sets of each, just to literally go through the movements, nothing crazy heavy. 
uh, just to keep the skill like minimum effective. And then all my other days, my, th- my three other days at the moment are just just uh, full bro out sessions, which is, is me at heart anyway, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's going, get the biggest chest pump I can, go on my leg day, just go until my you know, legs give out from me, that sort of stuff. It, it brings me back to back to the early days where we were a little bit <laughs> less smart with our training and it was just about going hard. But now I can combine them. Now I can go really hard, but it's, it's in a little bit more intelligent way than I did before. But let's, yeah, let's- I'm loving it. Let's talk a little bit about your coaching philosophies when it comes to powerlifting. What, um, take me through kind of your train of thought when you're coaching somebody for a competitive event. What are the things that you're working on? How do you organize training? That kind of stuff. I guess even this is the, this is the mentorship in a podcast. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was gonna say it's not pretty broad, but, um, geez. Yeah. So take me, so take like, say, uh, John comes in and he's a guy who's been training for a few months here and there, knows how to do the movements pretty proficiently, wants to do his first powerlifting competition. What does the training look like for him? Yeah, look, it, it, for me, I, I guess, like, a, like I've kind of alluded to, I guess you picked up on, I'm, I'm a little bit more biased towards the hypertrophy uh, side of things than what maybe some other coaches uh, suggest and I'm completely okay with that I know the pros and cons to that I, I know where it stands I know that there's a little less data tracking available with that uh, it could be seen as a negative but I, I personally think that long-term progression in powerlifting comes down to to being jacked we're not we're not boxes or anything to have multiple attributes that we have to worry about where if we focus on getting one RM strong and being big and jacked is part of that. And I think it's always part of the plan. So depending on how far John was uh, out from competition, I would be, that's, that's the first thing I'm looking about is how can I maximize muscle within his weight class and really, uh, and get him to where he needs to be. And then, uh, Fill in the gaps. Just look. Just looking at what is bad. I, I know it's quite a general answer, but like, it's it's, it's 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 what you need to do. You need to look at what is this person not so great at. If he has a bodybuilding background and he's not so proficient at doing uh, ones, twos, threes, you know, like we've all met that bodybuilder who can do, you know, 140 kilos for for, for 10 reps on bench, but then you load up 160 and he fails it or something like that. Like, there's that guy. So like, there's going to be a a mismatch potentially of how big he is and how, how skillful he is on the lifts. We need to figure out where you are on that spectrum and go like, all right, like what exactly is going to get you the best thing short term? And then, like I said, like long term, I'm, I'm big on personally getting as big and as jacked as possible. But I actually remember speaking to you over there uh, when we toured there and you asked me about bench press. And um, I think I was only like two weeks out from competition. So I, I was a bit brain dead. But you asked me about <laughs> what I think personally are uh, uh, made somebody a better bench presser or something. And, uh, and I had no answer at the time cause I was completely brain fried, but, uh, I really think it is about just like being the best bench pressers are the ones with jacked yoked dudes, you know, like big jacked shoulders, big jacked arms, chest, you know, like the whole, uh, big picture. So, I mean, um, I know I've just walked around in circles there. But what about what about in terms of like uh, the frequency of the lifts? Like how often, how often on average do you have your clients like squat, bench, and deadlift? 
Obviously, I know that there's like individual variability, but on average, like, what is it? Yeah, two to three per lift. Uh, so for, for me, deadlifting has always been my thing. So I've only ever deadlifted like once a week. Uh, but soon come to realize that those people aren't all me. Like it's, 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 it's my jam. I've, I don't remember a time when deadlifts just felt foreign to me. Uh, so I really had to like learn that, um, <laughs> that well, not all people are like that. They do struggle with deadlifts sometimes. So uh, I'm okay with upping it, having a bit more frequency, but it's, it's like you said, it's individual, it's recoverability. It's like, how, how can I set the week up in an off season so that I can get in the most amount of work over the week? so that I can recover between sessions and make them both quality so that I can uh, just maximize the amount of work over the week, really. Uh, same with bench. I'm looking at whether it's two, whether it's three, whether it's four sessions, like how can I get in the most amount of benching or the most amount of pressing in and not screw up, you know, make make one session so hard that the next session is screwed up. And so the next session is one, then the next week is screwed. Like just trying to get in total workload, quality workload across the week and uh, usually that ends up looking like three for, for most people in, in my books. I know that there are people at both ends, but that's the average that I see. And then the squats are usually two. And it's the same principles. It's just trying to get in the most amount of work. And then during a prep, we're, 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 shifting, we're shifting our thought phase into how can I get the most amount of work in over the week to how can I make my singles the best that they can possibly be. So. Now I don't really care about what all three sessions look like. I just care about what my single look like, usually just on one day. Uh, and how can I make the other sessions set myself up for that session being as good as it can be? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's just, it just slight shift in mindset from, from total workload and, and progression across the board to, to skill on the one day on the singles where it matters. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I really like that. Well I wish I could be like, I, I wish there was like a way where I could be like vastly different and give you this wild answer where like valid, you're like, oh wow, that's different. But I mean, like, no, I know that's that's powerful thing. Yeah. <laughs> simple, simple sport. Yeah. What uh, what have been your best marks? Your best squad, best bench, best deadlift. I saw you were close. I don't know. I can't remember if you hit or you're close to that 400 kilo deadlift. Was it? Oh man, I've attempted it. I've only attempted it once but uh, as in in competition. Um, but yeah, I've been on the edge of it for so long, but yeah, I haven't hit it yet. So thanks for- <laughs> no, I, I wasn't sure if I was bringing something about uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I've been so close. It's, it's one of those real pain in the ass things where I've developed some habits for, for years that I'm trying to reverse. And like you get, you know, when you've been just doing things for so long and just getting in those patterns that trying to undo that isn't as simple as like it would be for me coaching a novice lifter where I'm like, hey, don't do that. And then mm-hmm. they can just kind of cue out of it. For me, it's like trying to reverse uh, the pattern of trying to like extend through my deadlift. Like I really, I really want to kind of get halfway up and then kind of lift my chest and just back, like use my, uh, my, my traps and my, um, my back to really just do all the work for me rather than my hips. And it's been a thing. So like, yeah, I've been knocking on the door 400 for, Jeez, like two, three years. Mm. Um, but my best deadlift is is 387 to this day. You know, I've attempted 390, I've attempted 400 on, on a few different occasions. And unfortunately, I keep running into the same uh, sticking point. So hopefully this, like I said, this off season right now that I'm in, I have gone like far away and gives me a chance to kind of like 
work on the things that I usually don't really get to. And, and hopefully by the time I get back to it, I have a little bit more uh, control of that, those, that pattern and that breakdown that usually happens. Uh, and to answer your question, Steph, you know, the other two lists is the 385 squat. Forget what that works out to on the, on the pound side of things. I'm sure people can work it out. Um, but uh, it's like 370. I don't know. No, fuck. I'm I think it's 740. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, eight, eight high. 900 is for them. So <laughs> say plus that. And uh, 220 bench. So just knocking on the door of 500 pounds there. Just trying to get over that line again uh, i seem to be like right on the edge of all these like milestones but that's it's, awesome it's really painful talk to me about like I, uh, oh go ahead sorry. sorry no no no. go ahead i was gonna interrupt you or change subjects my goal my goal is to get the 400 squat and 400 deadlift that's that's my my in the same competition that's my ultimate goal i don't really care anymore so much about winning competitions or about trying to be the best or whatever i've realized that's not as important as i once thought it was but 400 400 would put me in pretty elite kind of status so like a, a, a group of people that you know just not many have done that uh-huh. it seems other than like uh super heavies in, in australia there's two people that have done that and that's uh odell manuel uh and dylan hellregal who are both super heavies and and absolutely you know, monstrous people. So if I could be in the company of those two and with the other people that done it, it, it I, I don't know. That's my ultimate goal there. Would you you retire right after when you hit that? I don't think I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could <laughs> do that. But I like I said, I really do enjoy the the bodybuilding training style. Uh, so yeah, maybe. maybe Maybe it'll be backing off because I know to get there, obviously, like I'll need to push pretty hard. I'll need to to go through the hard prep and the stress and all that. So maybe it would just be backing off, mm-hmm. focusing on health a little bit more, focusing on on enjoying training a little bit more, and, and maybe not um, competing as often after that. But um, I know I I, I don't want to like give a firm answer because I just don't think I could just switch off. Yeah. Like a, I'd have something there'd have to be something to replace that void like yeah. i always need like a goal something to work towards something to do next uh, and are you you're working like yourself and you're working with a new coach are you is he new i know you're working with matt i wasn't sure if you were working with him matt, for a while matt uh no we, i think we've just broken the year mark oh okay maybe just, just up to a year but we're definitely around the year mark so uh, no, we've been working together for a fair while. Uh, like I said, it's been a bit of a rocky road, not your typical coaching uh, relationship experience. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's been a lot of ups and downs. Um, we've only really got to do the one real competition together. But yeah, he's sticking around. Uh, we, have, we have a really good relationship. We get along really well. And um, whatever comes next, whatever that happens to be, was, is, he'll be there for him. And yeah. Super keen. That's great. Super keen actually do a real prep with it. It just it, at the moment it just kind of we're just going through the ups and downs and just and like we haven't really actually got to do like a full proper peak like I would have liked to. Talk to me about um, mentally. Like how I can't imagine. I've, that's never happened to me where I don't where I don't hit a PR for three years. You know, maybe I wasn't in the sport for long enough to like experience that, but. How do you, how do you keep showing up to the gym after just 
not being able to break through a plateau for so many years? Yeah, it's, it's killer. Uh, thankfully, there have been you know, progressional landmarks in the upper two. Uh, and and there's, there's numbers that indicate progress progress elsewhere. Like in those preps, like in the last prep where I worked up and I tried to go for it again, that 400 deadlift, um, all my numbers in the prep, like the rep work and, and all that stuff was really, uh, like it indicated that we should be able to hit 400 or that I was ahead. Like I was hitting rep PBs and things like that. So it's not to say that the there isn't progress and there's not more strength or more muscle being laid down or whatever it is. It's just that there's a, that, like I said, that breakdown that seems to happen at like the 380 plus mark that's really kind of just hit the wall. And um, so I guess to answer your question, it's just there's still been little things to indicate progress, there's still been little like stepping stones to keep me moving forward. Uh, just trying not to focus just purely on that number, just focusing on like what can I do now and what can I do this week or this day, like like putting in the little changes. Like uh, like I said, like at this time, there's not much in a, like in a typical powerlifting training sense that I've been able to do. So just working on other areas where I'm lacking, like uh, getting my heart rate down, improving mobility, improving movement, like that sort of stuff like that. Just trying to keep moving forward in some aspect. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> that's what's really worried about it. But I've been lucky that I've been mentally tough. Like at, at the competition, uh, I think there would have been. Was it the one year at where? Yeah, it was. I think the one where you're at was the one where I failed uh, the first two squats and the first two benches, and then just scraped through for my deadlift. Yeah. So like things like that have tested me before from a mental aspect. Uh, and I seem to, to be good at overcoming that and, and sticking with it and sticking to the plan. So I'm pretty pretty stubborn in that I can just kind of just like go like shit happens. All right, let's just keep fucking putting one foot in front of the other and just keep moving forward. Up. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They are an athlete focused meat company. Uh, always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics. They source from ranchers who are for the animals to free range graze in low stress environments on nutrient rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland and the nutrient rich grass consumed by the animals is passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be and the more efficient they will run. Quality, convenience, small batch, that's Stay Classy Meats. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. 
a little bit less like that, I guess. Like always had it, but I haven't had to learn it. It's been there. Yeah, well, um, what was I gonna ask you? Do you change your <laughs> you do you change your approach? Like, how, or how often do you change your approach after after X planned in work? Like, do you immediately go try something different? Do you try the same thing again? Or how do you go about like problem solving when when you've come short of your goal? Yeah, well, at, with clients, it would be it would be usually simple changes. It would be like looking at you know maybe we need more volume or less volume, or you need to do something outside the gym to improve your recovery. I don't well, know, for, like yourself, like how, for yourself, for yourself, how do you yeah, know if it's more volume me. or less volume? Yo, like I struggle a yeah, lot with that. Sorry, what was that? I said, I struggled a lot with that. I'm like, okay, I, whatever, like this, I tried to go for X amount of weight. It didn't happen. Try it again with a pr pretty similar approach. Then I don't know if I should do, should increase my frequency of deadlift, my volume, if I should decrease it, if I should not squat, if I should, it's just so many yeah, little things. Asking for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's where coming to having a coach comes in, right? Because they're like, Hey, stop being like an emotional wreck and, and make <laughs> logical decisions. Um, so thanks, thanks to Matt for that. I, I'm the same. When I get into a comp prep and I'm like four weeks out, even if things are going the best in the world, I'm like, fuck, like maybe I should do more. Maybe I should do less. Like <laughs> this day, I felt pretty good, but like not amazing. So maybe I should, uh, you know, eat differently. I don't know. Whatever it is, like you start making these emotional, stupid decisions where like you would never do that for a client and you just like have to take a step back. And then Matt just kind of sends me an email saying like, stop being an idiot. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, you're that's, right, I'm an idiot. that's what I find on. that's what I find funny you know when people say that powerlifting is easy in terms of the skill required to powerlift yeah they maybe are right yeah. you know it's just up and down in squat up and down in bench up and, and down up and, and down in deadlift. deadlift you know yeah I get it in terms of the skill but what I noticed from so many years in the sport was that the more involved and experienced that you are the more complex the programming becomes like it's such a it's, a it's such a complex algorithm like i said there's so many different variables that you can look at to change to tweak up or down that and, and you start running out of options too you know as the years go back you've already tried squatting three times a week you've already tried squatting two times a week you've already tried squatting six mm -hmm. times a week so it's like which one is it is it more is it less is it more rest am i do i need to eat more or less do i need to change coaches do i need to It's just so many little things and it's ultimately a guessing game and that can be so frustrating, at least for me. Yeah, at, at an elite level, definitely. Like, like we, have, we have the science to guide us, we have the science to you know, make assumptions for us in the way that we know that training a muscle group twice a week or more is probably a good idea. You know, like simple things like that to guide us, but there's not a whole lot of like these guiding data. Like we still have the principles there in, in general, but for, for people at the top of the game these elite powerlifters and, and so it, it does become a little bit of a guessing game it's like almost like you said just trial and error hey i'm going to try this and then just see what happens and then i'm going to try this and then see what happens and it, it is frustrating but for me it was like trying to look at my for this deadlift plateau in particular like trying to look at the lift and then go like okay like kind of know what's happening i know from like my prep data that You know, my fives are getting ahead and my threes are getting ahead. It's just like when it hits that certain number, so it's like a skill thing. It's a patterning thing. I don't think it's that my strength, like I'm, it's not like I got weak glutes or some shit like that. Uh, 
and just so in this last last uh the last phase before i swapped the bodybuilding stuff anyway it was like okay like let's just hit a lot more like heavy deadlifting like i have like more singles doubles and triples in all the time as opposed to doing a classic kind of uh you know like classic approach where we're hitting five by five or and then then linear from there or something like that it was like let's just hit heavy weights a lot more frequently and practice hitting heavy weights because the only the only thing I've, I've got to get better at lifting heavy weights like not having that breakdown when uh when uh when i get to there like because uh you can't think you can't just go like okay like don't do that when it's uh you know 99 of your max or whatever you can't just like cue yourself out of that for me it's kind of set up and then you do it and then you just you just do it like your body just does like you can't think get under a heavy max squat and and think about your know, knees out or whatever it's like just try not to get crushed and then just hope that my training has been good enough to get me through this and it's the same with the deadlift so that's all we've been trying to do that's the way we've switched it is like just hey it, it seems to break down when it's heavy so let's just practice have more heavy shit and uh mm-hmm. unfortunately i still don't know if it'll work it's, it's still a little bit trial and error it's still a little bit hoping for the best but um but it'll be another whether it works or not it'll be another thing that we know works or not mm-hmm. after this so it's another checkbox i guess i like that a lot because i've always thought just experience with the clients myself that heavy weight or you know 90 percent plus or even 85 percent plus is going to kind of expose technique um whether that's flaws or what you're doing well and then stress is going to expose kind of bad habits in a way because you can be under perfect conditions and you know hit that heavy weight as you want but kind of like stress and and that other those external factors or whether you're overthinking it's like those kind of expose those habits so it's like oh those came up again Mm -hmm. so it's like maybe we still need work on those or maybe we need to put ourselves in those conditions um that's kind of my thought on it yeah yeah i get to comps and i i seem to i seem to elevate a little bit better when i when i'm at comps when i'm under that like high pressure like there's little things obviously aren't optimal like there's no space to do my warm-ups or the things that i would typically do in the gym like i can't just like <clears throat> dawdle around and do my thing like i'm under a timeline uh especially with like pro rules and stuff being at an expo there's like just tons of people and they have like the open cage so that like even in the warm-up room there's people like walking past and looking at you and yeah tons of noise tons of flashing lights you know bodybuilders other strongman events around so like always shit happening it's a highly like stressful environment there's no downtime there's no just like all right i'm just gonna you know go chill quiet myself talk to myself or whatever like that just you don't get that opportunity but so there's a lot of negatives there but for some reason i I seem to thrive in those environments and kind of be able to just makes me zone in and just kind of makes me like uh the world is here right now there's there's a lot of shit going on, but I don't know. I just get tunnel vision in those mm-hmm. moments. I don't know. It's it's not. I don't think it's something you can teach. It's just something that I've always been like. Uh, it, it, luckily, powerlifting is is very simple and repetitive, and even for the people who don't have that tunnel vision or get a little bit messed up on the day, I find that like kind of if you do it enough in the gym, then you kind of go into a little bit of autopilot and you can get through the day anyway especially if you have somebody holding your hand and pushing in the right direction like okay on the platform now type thing uh but for me it's 
it's where I thrive. It's where I, it's where I am. I love that day, and that's why I miss it so much. Like I can't wait to get over there. Like I said, and um, yeah, and get back to it because it's it's killing me. <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, okay, I have a question. I guess for both of you guys. Do you guys feel like you focus more when it comes to your own coaching or coaching other people? Do you focus more on, I guess, the, the minimum effective dose or the maximum recoverable volume? Yeah, for me, it's uh, uh, usually like playing on the minimum effective dose most of the time. Um, I guess the argument against that is like, uh, you know, maybe you're missing out on X percent of games that you could have if you pushed it a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. But uh, in a sport like powerlifting, where there is like a, a skill component to some degree, like I don't see being over recovered being that big a deal. And and like I would always rather at least start there. And then if somebody comes to me at the end of a block, and then we talk about it, and we're like, hey, and I'm like, okay, how do you feel? Like, how are you recovered? And they're like, great. And I'm like. They're like, I feel like I could do heaps more in a session and, and still be fine and stuff like that. Sure, like, sure, I'm going to definitely give that person a little bit more work. Um, but if I'm if I'm measuring data, which every coach should be to some degree, and, and shit's working, and they're feeling a little bit extra recovered, like, I mean, I don't see that as a bad thing. I'm like, cool, like, that's fantastic. Because most powerlifters, in my experience, push way too hard. It's the reason why I think most powerlifters are one of the very many reasons why powerlifters are in and out of the sport within like two, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, they take like almost a bodybuilding thrash and thrash yourself mentality in the gym every session and, and forget that there's a, there's a skill component. There's a fatigue component. There's a, there's a, you know, quality movement is, is a thing we need to worry about in powerlifting. They, they do one small off and it changes their life forever. <laughs> they think that's the, that's the way to go. No, but I, I take a similar approach. I like the minimum effective dose and I've, taken that for my own training haven't really touched anything since I started powerlifting in terms of volume frequency you know some changes here and there like I used to deadlift once a week for the longest time and now I deadlift twice a week but one of those days it's not those sessions are completely different whereas one's higher intensity and one's moderate intensity um you know so it's even if I'm adding an extra session it's like this could still be a light session. It could be a moderate session or it could be another high intensity session. Like it's all variable, kind of like how you were saying that single session you were doing, like that's your high intensity session and other sessions are kind of leading towards that. Um, So it's similar, minimum effective dose. If you're seeing progress, like why add to it? If you're seeing progress, it's like maybe play around with it, you know, play around with it here and there, like for a competition, maybe increased volume and intensity at the same time like maybe for a bit see how that goes um you know and then taper as you normally taper but i like that minimum effective dose and i know there's eric helms is talking a lot more about it and there's a lot of good research behind it even research behind lower rps being effective lower rps being effective just because you're keeping force production higher essentially per rep um, and that's what powerlifting is, is mass, maximal force production. You want to keep that at its highest. So it's like, why do a set of 10 where that 10th rep there's, you know, force production isn't high as compared to that first rep. It's just do that first rep more often, mm-hmm. um, spreading it out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think uh, this is such an interesting conversation and it's such a difficult topic for a lot of lifters because it's a sport where ego is pretty involved. 
So, I mean, good luck telling your lifter that he has to stay at a low RP for all the time. All Not all the time, time but well, most of the time for your volume work or yeah. something like that. And you don't need to lift heavy every single set. It's hard. And it seems so counterintuitive as well. It does. In a sport where you're essentially testing your one rep max, you're not going. I think I think counterintuitive to a degree. Like mm-hmm. I, I, maybe maybe to the layperson who hasn't coached a lot of people, but I'm sure all of us here understand that um, even if we program like RP eight or nine, for most people, it's not going to be that anyway. They're going to yeah. be they're going to be further away from that most of the time. So like like you said about the the data coming out that we probably don't need to get as close to failure as, as what we may think. Um, think that's what we see in the real world anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I think most people who think they're really getting close to failure probably aren't and they still get great results. They still get stronger and they still get more jacked. So like that just kind of reflects, I think what, what we really see anyway, if we be honest with ourselves. Uh, and yeah, so I, th- I just think it's confirming what we've been seeing for a long time. And, and, uh, and uh, when it comes to the hypertrophy side, yeah, oh, sorry, I'm not around circles, but I agree with what you said. <laughs> Yo, I fucking, I redlined through my first three, four years of powerlifting. Like, I pushed so hard. Imagine, I came from a background of CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting. In Olympic weightlifting, I was squatting nine times a week. So I was doing morning and afternoon squat session. And I was fine. I was making progress. I was making a shit ton of progress. Obviously, the the intensity was super controlled. We would never go above 90% squat or 85% squat, you know, especially during a prep. The, the main lifts was the snatch and the clean and jerk. And then your squat and your deadlift were your accessory lifts. So you're not really pushing them. You're, they're just kind of there for like a baseline level of strength. Um, but going through that and going into powerlifting, even just squatting four times a week, to me felt like nothing. Felt like absolutely nothing. Squatting three times or four times a week and deadlifting three times a week was a walk in the park, especially at a point where I was not expressing my absolute strength, right? It was, I was so far behind what my potential was, especially training, lifting weights for, for four or five years and not ever testing my max. I call it the training blue balls. I never really tested my max in four or five years in the squat and the deadlift. And then I got into powerlifting and had all this kind of, imagine accumulating volume for four years. Four <laughs> years of accumulating volume. That's what I did. At eight, at 70, 70, 75, 80, 85, maybe sometimes 95% at them or 90% at the most. And then I got into lifting and everything just felt so easy for it. So for my first, yeah, I think two, three years, I just was... I was maxing out every session, not a one rep max, but I was maxing out my, my threes, my fives, my six, my tens, every session. Dude, if you look at my videos, you've seen some of my old footage. It's, it's an RP, it's an RP 10 every time. Like every time it's an RP 10. It was, oh, are you going for a single? It's like, oh, she just did five. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You could not squeeze a single one. Like like that change as you got stronger and as you, uh, developed through your powerlifting career like as you got more experience yes but not by choice you know i my will is way stronger than my body so i wanted to keep training at that intensity to me if i wasn't pushing myself to that level then i wasn't training if i would go to the gym and i didn't lift at least as much as i lifted the previous session that's a shit session it was a wash like i wouldn't even count that set i'd be like i did zero sets i didn't do 
equal as last week or more, that session sucked <laughs> pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, your body, my body made me pay for that really quick. Uh, so yeah, it got to a point where it got to a point where my, I wasn't, I wasn't able to sustain that, that level of work anymore. You know, I would come to the gym and I would physically not be able, not be able to put a hundred percent of effort on my back or, or on the barbell for deadlifts or whatever. So I think I was slowly kind of pushed to first decreasing intensity, then decreasing volume, then decreasing frequency to the point where towards the end of my powerlifting career, I was squatting twice a week, deadlifting once a week and benching two to three times a week. And yeah, definitely not maxing out my, my reps every single time I was more trying to accumulate volume, more staying in like a, a quote unquote safe zone. Uh, also the toll that it takes in your body, right? Like it gets to a point where you're really fighting against that fatigue and that recoverability. You can't, you can't get stronger if your body's not healthy, right? So it first comes health, then comes strength. And I think that that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way because I felt invincible throughout my entire pretty much powerlifting career, except for towards the end. Um, but yeah, man, my body made me pay hard for that. Do you think it taught your lessons carried forward? Like, uh, like obviously you, you changed direction in the, in the boxing and stuff like that. Did, did you find that the lessons from like learning those lessons in powerlifting carried into that discipline as well? For sure. I think, and mainly the, 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 the feeling of rush. I felt like, I don't know why I had such a sense of urgency in getting stronger and getting strong fast. And I think that that's something that comes like with age, the older that you get, you obviously you feel like you're running out of time. So you, you run out of patience as well. And you just want to do everything fast and, and you forget that there's steps and levels to everything that you do. Right. So for me, it's like, I just wanted to be the strongest person ever immediately. And it just doesn't work that way. I think it's the opposite in, in focusing on the minimum and minimum effective dose is the, is how you do that. Right. Like you just, take really small steps for a really long time and focus on staying in one piece and eventually you'll get really strong. But my mindset was the complete opposite. And in that process, I not only did I get frustrated, but I started hating the sport because you start setting this, the level of expectation that's so far and so unrealistic for the point in time that you're at, that you just end up disappointing yourself time after time, because those are just unrealistic goals for the, for the, for the time and place that you're in. So that lesson that I learned from powerlifting and now going into boxing is like, seriously, I'm so grateful to be able to train. Like that's it. I, I go to train and I'm so happy that I can do it. And I don't worry about like, oh, I should be at this level or I should already be able to land this body shot or my right cross should be like this. I literally just go and I'm and it sounds so cheesy and I'm not cheesy at all or spiritual, but I go and I'm like, this is sick. I can't believe that. Or I'm lucky that my body gave me a second chance in this other sport and I can come here and I can breathe hard and I can sweat and I can get better at something. Cause like I forgot that in powerlifting, I just was treating my body with such disrespect and just putting so much pressure that was unnecessary and in a timeline that was so silly and arbitrary. So yeah, it's just a matter of like taking your time and enjoying the process and not setting expect like these random expectations for yourself. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, I, I try and let the, I, I try my best. I'm 
I try my best to let the coach worry about that, that shit. Like, like I'm like, okay, you worry about like whether I'm progressing and, and whether I'm like I'm, I, I should be, you know, like for yourself landing that body shot or whatever. Like, you worry about that, and then I just do the thing. Like that's the way I try and do things these days. Yeah. Is I just try and like, like I try not to look at my program and, and, and worry about what's coming up or if I'm looking like look at the data and whether I'm moving forward. I kind of like go like, okay, Matt, you worry about that. And I'm just going to like look at the session that I'm doing now and just put in like a hundred percent and mm-hmm. go for it. That- as far as the, one of the comment on one of the things you said there was, uh, about the, you know, being the best now thing. And I thought about this with uh, one of the, one of the first presentations that we did in this mentorship in week one was to try and set the mindset of, uh, long-term progress was, uh, I did a presentation on long-term progression in powerlifting and kind of the multiple factors that come into somebody's progress over time and, and why it can be such a short journey for a lot of people and, and you know, what that looks like. And one of the things that kept jumping out to me was like social media and its influence. And I think that that is kind of what pushes us down that road of uh, wanting to be better right now is because we jump on and then we follow all these elite lifters and they're posting our PBs and they're hitting PBs and like you're seeing some like guy that's friggin' 90 kilos hitting like my max or, or like out deadlifting me and I'm like, fuck man, come on. <laughs> and uh, something like that is the thing that like, and then I would just want to go down to the gym and just like smash myself and try and just force progression. Um, which these days I just, I know, I know that's not the answer, but like you know, five years ago, completely different. I would have been like, okay, cool, push it. So it would have had been a lot, a lot different back then. But I think that's the trap of social media. 100%. It, it sets us up for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, it's understandable that that in this modern era, that that's why I think one of the big reasons why the powerlifting career is, is so short for people. Yeah. Not, not only do you compare yourself to others, but you also want other people to notice you so I mean, yeah. dude i remember that i'm like dude i'm i want to post a dope video today i'm gonna max out it's <laughs> so stupid <laughs> why uh, yeah and then setting up the camera getting the good lighting and angle and and that's where it became a thing where f- for powerlifters especially if someone walked in from your camera it's like oh <laughs> can you not see it set up (laughs) the audacity (laughs) and it's like a public gym (laughs) and powerlifters would post like i've never done this but people would post like can't believe this guy walked in front of me during my camera it's like this guy's just trying to get in a workout and leave like (laughs) he he is that's a different topic but Um. no i agree when i first started powerlifting it hasn't been long um but that was one of the first things i i started powerlifting really late like I had one year in junior and I wanted to do well, obviously like go to worlds and things like that. And it's like, I see all these people. I'm like, they're way ahead of me already. Like I know nothing. So it's kind of like, but I was lucky in a way where I come from a sports background. Like I played college football and things like that, where I'm just like, well, I'm just going to focus on myself and Mm -hmm. literally not like don't care about anyone else. And Mm -hmm. it really worked out. Yeah, really, because that's the only thing. And like you said, you want to focus on your efforts. The only thing that you have control over is that is your actions, your effort, your mindset, how fast you're going to progress. Nobody controls that, not even your coach, you know. So what's the point on trying to force things? What's the point on stressing about it, thinking about it? There's no point. You just go in, do your best as best as you can every single session with 100 percent effort. And then 
see how it goes. Change the plan according to to the outcome. Yeah, and it, it is just just understanding that it is a slow sport. Yeah, it is. Like it should it just be. At is. Least. Like you just, have, you just have to remember. Like at the end of the day, like the, if I, especially within the IPF and and uh, like those tested federations, like if you look at the champions, most of them there are some freaks, but most of them are are yeah, veterans. Most of the, most of the guys at the top are, are ten years in. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's yeah. that's why I have, to, I have to keep reminding some of my athletes of this. Like, hey, like yeah, cool. Like you know, Bryce Lewis is there. Like he's pretty fucking strong, but. He's, he's been at it a while, you know, you got time, you got time, just chill. Mm-hmm. And also powerlifting is a little bit forgiving on that front in that, like you said, you're worried about maybe age or, you know, that you're fighting against biology in that sense as well. You're like, fuck, you know, like maybe, maybe I haven't got so much time left, but then people like Bryce and that, um, remind you that you can keep them going forever. It's such a long road. Like yeah. powerlifting is pretty forgiving on that front. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, footy, explosive sports, you kind of, uh, you, ha- you have a, a bit more of a time frame. Dave Ricks is like 60, still hitting PRs. <laughs> I always used to, I always used to tell my athletes when I, when I used to coach that it's not about how fast you can get strong, but about how long you can stay injury free because that was a change of mindset. That to me was so powerful, you know? Because if you can manage to stay, powerlifting is a tough sport on your body. If you can manage to stay on one piece for a prolonged period of time, you'll undoubtedly make progress independently of what your program is like. It's just that consistency over super long periods of time in avoiding getting injured because every injury is a step back, a setback, right? You get injured, then you miss two, three, four, five, six months. Look at me, 18 months of training, you know, that I got set back that I haven't done powerlifting at all. So yeah, if you, if you switch that mindset. Yeah. It's crushing. I'm lucky. I'm, I almost don't want to say it to like jinx myself, but I'm lucky <laughs> that I haven't had any uh, like significant injuries in powerlifting. I haven't torn any muscles to you know a large degree. Obviously, I'm like broken anything or had anything other than like small strains or overuse injuries, you know, inflammation stuff like that. Like, uh, uh, and then it, it just like it keeps it keeps the the flame alive. It's like cool, I can keep going. I've got an injury be tough mentally like if i haven't been i can't comment on it but i don't know how i would respond but, yeah it uh, sucks it might be. um there's a good place to stop i want to be mindful of your time as well it's been an hour in sure. uh i really appreciate you coming on i hope that they lift the travel restrictions soon in australia so you can come maybe for the showdown maybe yeah yeah <laughs> yeah whatever it is whatever whatever the, whatever the first one is after I'm allowed. You can, you can count me in. I will we'll definitely be over there. Amazing. We are. I'm, I'm literally on the news site like every morning. Like, <laughs> give me some updates, guys. Come on. Like, you know, like the vaccines are going up and all that stuff. Some good news. Like, just, <laughs> I'm just waiting for that that next level to, to allow us to travel because, uh, yeah, I'll be there. Where uh, where can people find you and where can people uh, look at more information about your courses? Your educational courses. Yeah, so so for me as a lifter at W Cross on Instagram, uh, and for our business Nexus Performance, it's at nexusperformance.aus Australia or nexusperformance.com.au. So uh, pretty easy to find if you jump on the on the Instagrams. It, it, it links to all the things and, uh, and does its job. So um, yeah, that's the best way. 
Awesome. We'll make sure to link that on the podcast notes. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate your time. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Will. Thank you.